You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It's Wednesday the 14th of December. We're very much in the grip of the freeze still. News that Ascot will inspect at 8am tomorrow. Now, that's, that'll be Thursday morning. You heard from Chris Stickles yesterday that Friday is most unlikely. Saturday, there's a glimmer of hope. Uh, they have ruled out moving the card a few days later in its entirety. So uh, it'll either go ahead this weekend or not. Uh, we therefore have a chance to, to turn our attentions to news off the track and used by the, the Daily Mirror, David Yates joins me. And Dave, the BHA yesterday released a, a long-term strategy update. What did we learn from it? Well, a staple of the Nick Luck Daily over the last couple of years, Tom, has been uh, the size of the fields, how it's turning off punters in British racing, uh, the drain of good horses uh, from Britain to places that offer better prize money. And yesterday, the BHA... I, I suppose it's fair to say, uh, put out their, their mission statement, um, racing's industry strategy update number one, uh, is how it was, um, titled. Um, the mission statement is as, as follows. Uh, British racing's leaders recognize the shared challenges, uh, facing the sport and the need to work together to address them. There is a huge amount of good work being done across British racing, but we also need to focus on the long-term health of the sport. Um, it says that, um, it, it makes reference to um, the, the shop window. Our best races on the flat and over jumps racing shop window need to be more easily identifiable with greater competition between our top horses and prize money levels that support the retention of higher rated horses in Britain. The sports offering needs to be presented in a way that better engages new and existing audiences. Um, it talks about the work that is already being done and says that the they're going to get their skates on in doing this because um they want to have meat on the bones by the spring so that that can be uh, ready in time to be accommodated uh, when it comes to putting the fixture list for 2024 uh, together so um there's nothing there that that we wouldn't expect but that's just i suppose um putting in a in a formula what's the BHA acknowledges uh, needs to be done and how they're going to set about doing it. And there's a, a Bill Barber article, there's two actually, which we're, we're going to touch on. Uh, Bill Barber, thank you very much if you're listening. But um, uh, one of them uh, features an exclusive interview with, with um, the BHA's Julie Harrington. Um, interestingly titled, The Hard Work Starts Here. Uh, does the the words that um, Julie puts across in that interview fill you with confidence about the future, Dave? I think it will boil down to the what has been a power struggle between the racecourses and almost everybody else. Um, it, I think that's how it's how this will be defined. Remember last month, um, 
the the restructure was announced whereby the the BHA has uh, ultimate power. This was something that was uh, given voluntarily by the race courses that um, essentially the policy, I think, was going to be made at a slightly lower level and the race courses would have uh, a huge input in that. And then uh, the, the the final policy would be presented on the BHA's desk, which they would have the, um, the, the power to sign off. So um, we'll see how that's going to work. I, I, I expressed my... Um, I suppose doubts as to how the, the the race course association, which is has a fifty percent share in the British Horse Racing Authority, uh, would uh, it, sincerely uh, hand over power, even if it meant that uh, a, a new policy might work slightly against uh, their own self interest. Um, the, the the whole the whole point of the restructure uh, last month was that everybody. I think we we all realise that that whilst something needs to be done, some people are going to have to take a hit for this. And at the at the centre of that, I think, are the race courses because we think essentially that something needs to be done to the fixture list. So, um, sorry for that long winded and circuitous way of answering that question, but I suppose the uh, the the blunt and truthful answer is no, not really. Well, I suppose the confidence comes in actions, doesn't it? And is is the the are the early signs positive? Could we read, as Bill Barber suggested in in the other article I, I mentioned yesterday, um, that the fact that the BHA stood firm on not rescheduling the important fixtures or the important races lost at the weekend due to the freeze that that suggests that they are exercising power. Um, uh, potentially the disappointment of the the racecourse association there's no doubt that um, certain racecourses would have wanted fixtures rearranged but the bha have stood firm and said no it's it's there's there are enough opportunities out there for horses over the christmas period that feels as though it's a good decision for the sport can we read that that is uh, a case of the the bha at the top of the tree standing firm and exercising their power I think it's an indication of that. Um, as you say, there were there were races at uh, Doncaster and Cheltenham, chiefly the international hurdle uh, that that um, the latter course. That in in times gone by, the the first thing would one would have done, I think, on you know Sunday, well Saturday morning, in the case of Cheltenham, I, I actually contacted BHA executives on. Uh, Saturday morning to see what the plans were to uh, to reschedule the international hurdle and I was told well there are no plans at the moment and I thought well okay that'll change in the next 48 hours they'll put something out on Monday morning and they didn't and of course what that means is that the horses who were going to contest that have to look elsewhere and they're funneled into uh, what should be stronger, more competitive fields. So it's the tip of the iceberg, but it's certainly um, a, a a move in the right direction. That That's something in, in the past. It, it's, it, isn't it funny how how times change that we've uh, we've become used to. Um, to complimenting the BHA in the past are acting so quickly and they've rescheduled this and they've rescheduled that, that the race planning team have, uh, have uh, not wasted any time. And of course now, uh, because uh, the field sizes have been as they are and, and the universal acceptance that British racing has become um, too uncompetitive in the main to be uh, of, of, the interest of the interest that we want it to be uh, to its existing and new audience.
audience that we now think, oh, thank goodness the BHA haven't uh, rescheduled those races. So, yeah, I think that's a good sign. Um, just uh, to, if I can add, Tom, just to to read out what um, Julie Harrington uh, told Bill Barber in the Racing Post, um, to, to return to the initial uh, move, the initial policy of, uh, that was announced yesterday, not a policy that was announced, but the, the mission statement. And if you like, we know that with the cyclical nature of our fixture list, we need to accelerate that work if we're going to make some changes to ensure that the sport is engaging for future customers and future owners from 2024. So that was the bit about uh, getting uh, their skates on. We really need to have refined those proposals by spring next year. So that is obviously part of the work uh, that is more evolved. So obviously they've they've already done some work. Um, the, the article, Bill's article uh, references the uh, the the Peter Saville uh, announcement that was made during Glorious Goodwood about um, what he proposed uh, should be done and the, the backing that he had uh, to do that of of many of Britain's race courses. Um, she said we're we're going in with a couple of guiding principles that we need our best product presented in the shop window, but we also need to be able to breathe and not compete against ourselves sometimes. So that would indicate that they're not going to um, put all the good races on together. Uh, amen to that. She said, um, I would say it's in that core product area where you have got the opportunity to do, to do some exciting things and probably a bit more innovation, whereas around those major festivals, they're so well established in terms of the racing and betting public's mind that there is an element that we just need to protect, that there is an element that we just need to protect. And and again, we've, we've mentioned that on the NLD many times. When we've talked about race course attendances, um, it's the post-COVID, it's the big festivals that are, in a sense, the outlier. Um, there's been quite a reduction i think we were looking at um figures of between 25 33 percent that the the day-to-day figures have gone down in some cases but of course the the major meetings have held up well so again that was a uh, an acknowledgement that in a sense the 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 racing around those big, big festivals largely but not exclusively is looking after itself uh but there is work to be done as Julie Harrington acknowledges on every level. And if you haven't heard the interview Nick did with the Racecourse Association Chief Executive David Armstrong yesterday, um, I urge you to go back and, and do so, where he was uh, discussing the impact of the thing David has mentioned there, certainly footfall to, to racecourses, the post-COVID world we're, we're currently living in, um, regarding prize money next year and, and, and what racecourses may or may not be able to, to put on. Um, it's not the most positive listen necessarily, but um, uh, presents a pretty stark reality. But I do urge you to go back and, and listen to that. Uh, just to to um, read out a, a statement which came through from the, the BHA um, a couple of days ago re- regarding the rescheduling of races. I thought there's a lot of positives to take out of this. Um, it is important to take into account, they said, not only the races that have been lost, but the potential impact on existing races already in the programme. This is particularly key at pattern level and for races on ITV, where it is vital that as a sport, we are producing the most competitive racing we can. Lots of positives, I think, to to take out of that. Dave, do you look back now a few months ago when uh, we discussed the fact that the the BHA had effectively voted against their own proposal. If you remember when there were three people in the room and they didn't get the required two votes to, to move forward the, the first proposal to reduce the fixture list. Uh, There was, there was criticism uh, towards the BHA from all sides. Do you you look back a little bit more 
um, forgivingly uh, regarding that decision with the apparent progress that has been made since? Or do you need to see more happening? Um, I think yes to both of those questions, really, Tom. Certainly, I think that one is more uh, understanding and and as you put it, forgiving uh, towards that decision. It was a it was a great story, that wasn't it? Certainly, um, I was going to say it, it's the, it really it really was. It was easy to to get your teeth stuck into as a story, definitely. Yes, you know, um, British Racing's uh, regulator votes against itself. You know, it, it was a it was a great story. I was going to say it was a great tabloid story, but it wasn't. It was just a great story, full stop, for everybody. Um, that that the way that. Um, that, that we had the build up to the vote and then the result and and there was a of course there was uh, a Keystone Cops element to that but th- they did come out and say at the at the time look you know this we we want to look at the data we want to look at this thoroughly and we think this is the best way of going about it and 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 that in a sense was was lost among the uh, the, the canned laughter I suppose at the. Uh, the, the initial result of the vote but yes I, I think that once the laughter died down you, I think we all thought yeah fair enough as long as as long as they do this swiftly and remember we've been talking about this for a long time um the 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 Savile proposals I think when they were announced uh, uh, Peter Savile on 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 this show said that they'd be uh, looking to come up with something by um the first half of 2024 and so of course what we really felt when we looked at uh, when we heard about the result of the vote was like where is the urgency in all this well um Judy Harrington said or the BHA said you know that we've got the the project is already underway and that we are working on it and and we hope that these final decisions will be up for um discussion in the spring so I I think that yes in in light of what's happened since I think we can be more forgiving with regard to confidence in the end result again we come back to uh, the the disparate groups in horse racing who who pull in different directions the relative uh, power that they yield and how that is going to shake down and I'll believe that when I see it because as as we've all acknowledged some some parties are going to have to take a hit for British racing to move forward together, whether they can back up those words or whether they will back up those words with actions. Well, we'll see. Now with the races have been lost, not being rescheduled. It it, it appears that we might be in for a a bit of a a Christmas boost, depending on what the weather does could still do with some rain. Um, and, and certainly a thawing, which appears to be coming next week. Uh, Dave and I are recording this pretty early, so um, I, I do intend to, to, to get some updates, which Dave won't be able to comment on, uh, per se, regarding likely runners in the King George, the, the Christmas Hurdle, etc. But those couple of races, as things stand, well, um, one looks as though the King George, it, it, it could be very ditch-it heavy and, and Paul Nichols heavy, and um, the Christmas hurdle looks as though it could be very seven barrows, Nicky Henderson heavy. I, I, I don't know where currently the, the rest are coming from. That said, we, you know, it's it, it's not as if the King George is always the, the biggest field for all it, it, it is normally the, the Christmas highlight. And it, and it should be again this year with the likes of Brave Man's Game rocking up, Dave. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the if we say that the, the two mile, the, a grade one two mile hurdle is going to be seven barrows heavy and that a three mile chase is going to be Manor Farm stables um, 
heavy, then that's not really a massive surprise to anybody, really, is it? Because Nicky Henson's got the best two-mile hurdlers in Britain, and Paul Nichols has got most of the, or, or, or a good chunk, of the best three-mile chasers. Obviously, Protectorat won't go to the King George. Um, Dan Skelton said that, was not among the entries now, but um, Dan Skelton said that immediately after his win uh, in the Betfair chase at Haydock uh, last month. And so, yeah, I mean, the Paul Nichols will run the three, uh, Brave Man's game, Frodon and Hitman. It would be great to see Lon Presse in the King George and... You know why wouldn't you see him there? I mean, if it, surely anyone who's got a, a top class three mile chaser, the two races that you want to win in uh, a British jump season are the Cheltenham Gold Cup and the, the King George the Sixth Chase. Um, it would be a no brainer for me. Uh, so I'd like to see him. Um, I'd I'd like to see him go for that. We 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 won't have Noble Yates in the King George, but uh, we should have Envoi Allen. It's it's going to be a, a, a small field, but the, the emphasis on, I think both races over the years has always been on uh, quality much rather than quantity. Right, some Christmas news then from Britain and Ireland. Um, we're here from Nicky Henderson, from Joe Tizzar and from Noel Mead. Starting off with Nicky Henderson and uh, Epitont. I asked him where her likely next race was now that we know the international from the weekend will not be rearranged. I would, I would think there's every possibility she'll be she'll run in the Christmas hurdle, yeah. She'll, she'll take on the, the horse that defeated her from Sarah well, Bats no, last time. She, she has to. She hasn't got, I mean, we haven't finalised plans. There is just another idea. But, um, no, she, the plan is to she'll run it, she'll run it at Christmas. Okay. She'll run in the Christmas hurdle. Okay. And, and if, to, we've got no option. If not, is the other idea something a bit different, or is it might be? No, it's not. It's not. She'll run in the Christmas Hurdle. Okay. Um, well, great. It'd be lovely to see them them take each other on again. I take... we can't do anything else. I mean, it's the way the the way the world. You know, it's very sad that they can't reschedule these races because yeah, I mean, it's all very well to her taking him on, but I mean, as you can appreciate, it's hardly ideal, is it? Hmm. Um, just to touch on on the others that we we've, we've seen recently, a- any progress on on what Shishkin's going to do? Shishkin, I would think I'll probably wait for the Silviano Conti. Hmm. Interesting. So we're going to we're going to try a, a little bit further and a little bit different. Definitely, yeah. And does does John Bond go to Kempton? John Bond won't go to Kempton now. Okay, and and likely I, I, he he'll have another run, won't he? At, at some point, he'll have another run. I think the Kingmaker of Warwick is a in the in the mix of you know no decisions have been made yet. Okay, lovely. Appreciate the update, Nicky. Thanks ever so much. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Well, trainer of Eldorado Allen, Joe Tizard is with me. Joe, are you are you um, gearing up for Kempton with Eldorado Allen? Yes, we are. Yeah, you know he's um uh, you know his, his two runs have been two solid runs this season at Weatherby and in the Betfair, and um, you know I. I don't think that he's necessary also that he can win it, but I think the track and, and the way he's going through the line last time, we can ride him really positively. And um, I see no reason why he can't get placed there. Mm. Well, I mean, listen, it's how big a field are we going to have? It's what we're discussing on the on the pod this morning. You know, there's there's likely to be three ditch inmates. There, there there's there's going to be one slash two Irish Raiders maybe, but but ultimately it might not be the the biggest field. If it comes up good ground, does that suit your horse? I don't think it hurt him. You know, it was good ground when he won the Denman last year. 
Um, uh, so he's been pretty flexible with the ground. But just what I've seen this year, I just love the way that he's, you know, he's, we were guessing over three miles last year. And what I've seen in both his runs, he's got the trip well. Mm. Um, you know, and, and he seems in great nick and his confidence is high. So, so looking forward to running him. It probably came the trip after the Newbury win. It was a case of, oh, oh, hang on, you know, that opens up more options for next season. But you've got your answer now, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. You know, it was it was opening up options, but it was never guaranteed. And um, um, but this year, we, you know, like you said, we got the answer. He definitely, he definitely stays it well, and um, you know that that that's puts him in these best races. Okay, you're going to win another Welsh national. I think we've got a really nice chance. We're going to run the big breakaway in it. Um, ran really well up at Haydock. If you watched him for the first circuit, it, it wasn't very good. But we just put that down to the exhaustions last year and. Just felt that he was um, just perhaps thinking that, that maybe it was going to hurt. But then, um, as the further went, the more confidence he's got, it looked like he was going to win jump in the last. So um, I think the tempo of the race has been well. And, and um, yeah, looking forward to running in a minute. Good man. All right, Joe. Cheers. Cheers, Tom. Bye, bye. An interesting entry for Grade 1 winner uh, Jeff Kidder, who is trained by Noel Meads. Um, Noel, thanks for, for joining me. I, uh, he's, he's in at Dundalk on... On Friday, are you declaring today? Yes, I am. I would love to just get a run of the wild as you were. And he had a bad run. He, he, um, things just didn't go right. But a few different little things after him. And I'd love to get a run into him before Christmas. And it's sort of a, an easier run than run him in a grade one first time. So he almost certainly will run on Friday in that two mile race at Dundalk. And then he would have a choice of a race in Punchestown on New Year's Eve, all that, all that uh, three mile race. We'll see how Dundalk goes, mm. and uh, we'll, we'll make up a mind then after that. So New Year's Eve is the is the shorter race, or he's got the Grade One three mile option. Are you, are you leaning towards one or the other? Uh, look, I'm not leaning. I'm just we're taking it a step at a time, as we say. We'll see how we get on. So news of Jeff Kidder there. I did ask Noel about his um, Grade One novice chasers. He has three notable entries. The, the line, I'm afraid, got increasingly bad. So uh, just to tell you what Noel relayed to me, uh, the only one likely to take up a Grade One novice chase engagement would be Ida's Boy. That had been the three-mile race at Leopardstown as opposed to the Forheen Novices Chase at Limerick. And Highland Charge is, is doubly entered in some great ones. Uh, he's an intended runner, though, this weekend. The issue there has been he just wants him to get get out as soon as possible, but the weather is not helping. Right, some, um, well, uh, unsavoury stories now. Um, what, one in, in the UK and one down under. First of all, former jockey Danny Brock is to face a hearing, Dave, into corrupt or fraudulent practices. Danny hasn't ridden for, for some time now, for uh, 18 months, um, subsequent to being found guilty for a, a number of whip offences, one of which in- included modifying a whip by having a whip found with a couple of elastic bands on it. Um, where are we with this? Right, well, the uh, the hearing starts today. Um, as one would expect with these, he, he, he appears before a, uh, an independent disciplinary panel of the british horse racing authority um the time frame is that it's set out for three days and it's uh, a breach an alleged breach of four rules on the part of danny brock um principally they relate to 
the uh, passing on of of inside information and also uh, not riding horses to achieve uh, the best possible placing five other individuals also face allegations um the uh, the the case uh, circles on uh, nine all weather races uh, between december 2018 and september 2019 um one at southern one at kempton two at lingfield and five at Chelmsford City. Uh, seven of them include uh, the horse uh, Motolov, Mokolov, I hope I pronounced that correctly, probably have as I had two stabs at it, um, whom uh, Brock rode eight times. So as you say, he hasn't been uh, riding since um, that uh, whip suspension. And, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see what unfolds over the next three days. And as um, a story released in, in The Age... Uh, Australian uh, publication. Melbourne Cup winning trainer Darren Weir has been found guilty of animal cruelty, uh, Dave, but has avoided a criminal conviction for using an, an electric shock device on three horses while they ran on a treadmill or wearing blinkers at the time on the eve of the 2018 Melbourne Cup. And he, he essentially he, he he's going to plead guilty for abuse of horse, horses, although not torture as the charges have been reworded. Yeah, this is a pretty um, disturbing case. This, um, as you say, the, the the fact that that electric shock treatment was used on horses um, as they were exercising uh, on a treadmill is is really disturbing. And I think that um, we have to, w- when things like this arise, we have to recognise them as such and and how. Uh, how serious they are and how much damage they can do to horse racing and i'd i'd say that the 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 thing that strikes me about this particular case um with darren weir is that this is obviously something that is that is premeditated you don't put blinkers on a horse and then put that horse on a treadmill and um administer electric shock treatment as a, a case of perhaps losing your temper that's clearly something that was premeditated and you know my my response to that really is to let the wheels of justice turn i you know we we, we discussed uh the case of uh sir mark todd a few months ago and how he had essentially lost his temper with a, a, a horse at a um at a an eventing class that he was holding took a branch and, and hit that horse's backside i'd say that was it nine or ten times i'd say that was a whilst clearly he admitted his own culpability in that case that's a very different issue when you have someone who uh who regrettably but understandably uh loses their cool um at a particular moment and then a case like this dave all that i require from you is to to send us away with a winning tip hopefully we're going to go to the 325 race at Lingfield Park today, and it's one step beyond. Uh, the top weight uh, was in really good form prior to a fifth here at Lingfield at the end of August, comes back from a 15-week break, and I hope can return in similar form. Certainly looks the sort of horse who's got more to offer if Razor Sharp here. So 325 race at Lingfield today is number one. I'll do it for you, Tom. One step beyond. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Well, if, if that doesn't make the listeners happy, I don't know what will, Dave. Great stuff. Um, thanks for, for 
agreeing to do this so early. I know you've got an important important engagement to head off to, Dave. So, buona fortuna, divertiti. How was that? Grazie mille. Yeah, okay. You, your accent's much better than mine. And uh, we'll have you back on again soon, no doubt. Thanks to everyone at home for listening along. Nick will return tomorrow. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed the hour. I forgot what the day is. That was Wednesday, the 14th of December. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.